Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. We are live for episode 92 of Trek Live. Um, how you doing this morning, Bill? Doing really good. Yeah. Happy to be here. Uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, Glad to be back in like the rhythm of doing this every week. So um, excited to talk about some TNG today. Yeah, I know. I um, I'm excited to be back too on a kind of weekly basis, uh, getting back into the rhythm. I'm like especially excited today because uh, we are going to be jumping into some TNG. Uh, I think it works out perfectly because um, we're both kind of either just hitting in our rewatch or just watching our rewatch. So I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to make for a, a really fun conversation. Yeah. It's show. It's definitely, I think both it's on both of our minds, uh, because yes. the recency, uh, for both of us. Um, and this is a unique topic. I don't know that I've seen people, uh, cover this. Yeah, I could be wrong. Maybe somebody has. Yeah. Um, but uh, really looking forward to talking about how Encounter at Point and All Good Things kind of bookend the show and how it impacts uh, the show as a whole. Um, how it maybe gives the show, uh, gives the audience some interesting things to think about uh, when they're watching the show, especially on second time, third time through it, uh, when you know what the bookending Um framing device sort of is uh yep but before we get into all that um where are you in your rewatch have you watched any new right new but have you gone back to any tos episodes this week uh since the last time we did this yeah i'm not sure where we were um my last episode that i watched <clears throat> uh was where no man has gone before um okay. yeah um so i finished that uh and then um my next on the ticket is the naked time. So, um, I kind of taken it a little slow, uh, especially when I'm transitioning from, uh, TNG to TOS. Um, but I'm excited to kind of get, get into, into a rhythm with that. Uh, but yes. Cool. Yep. What about you? Uh, I finished, I watched data Lord last night, uh, which is the only one I've watched, I think since we did this. Okay last weekend uh, i'm hoping to watch a couple more today mm-hmm. uh, but uh is an interesting one it's it falls into the trap of early tos tng season one where uh, something i think i think we may have covered this on the show before uh, but i feel like the the biggest issue with wesley crusher's character it comes down to like the way they treat him early in season one where he in episodes like data lore is sort of the only character who's wily enough and onto the clues enough to kind of solve the problem ahead of like the trained career officers. Yeah. You know, he's onto the data lore swap, uh, much faster than, uh, the, the, the experienced crew that work side by side with data every day. Yes. Um, which is, you know, I think hurts the episode a little bit, but more in, in, in a big picture sense, I think is, a big part of what gave the Wesley character problems early on and made people resist the idea of having this kid on the ship. That knew more than uh, everyone. When, yeah, yeah. It, I think it graded on people's nerves that uh, Wesley is seemingly solving 
a lot of these problems and seems to be smarter than anybody else on the ship, uh, which I, I wish they would have taken a different approach with the character and not, you know, not done that because I think there is potential with that character. Uh, if, if you take a different, a different tact. And I think in a little bit later in the show, I think in like season two, for example, when, uh, the writing is a little bit better and right. uh, maybe they've learned from these mistakes. They're not falling into these traps quite as often. There are episodes like pen pals later on where, you know, Wesley is this, the, the, the Wesley story isn't like this story in data lore where he's kind of onto the mystery and solving the problem. He's a young person who's put in this position where he has to work with other people and uh, learn how to be younger than people you're supervising and uh, learning how to be a leader, getting advice from people like Riker and Troy. And that, to me, that's like the right direction to take a character like Wesley Crusher. Um, but unfortunately, they don't they don't really get there and don't do it consistently until maybe it's a little too late uh, and after too much damage has been done. So it's something that always kind of hits me when I do TNG like this early in the show. Uh and it's kind of a shame, but data lore has a lot of cool stuff in it. It's got some cool imagery uh, with the crystalline entity and yeah. some cool camera work with Brent Spiner playing two, uh, two characters. I think Spiner's really, really good. I think it's the first time that Spiner's really, really good. Um, and doing more than just kind of his early series quirky ticks as data. Um, gets to stretch a little bit so I, I, it's a it's a really mixed bag of an episode there's so many things in it i love uh the performance from brent spiner and some of the visual stuff some of the direction uh the score is really good um but it's it's infuriating at the same time with the way it treats the characters so yeah, it's kind of tng season one in a nutshell it's got some really redeeming cute qualities to it uh but it's 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 really uh, struggling with some of the writing. Um, but next is Angel One, which is a, yes. a whole new breath of fresh air. And I can't yes. wait to, uh, <laughs> to do that. I haven't, it's, it hasn't been that long since I watched it. We watched it right. as a part of one of our uh, little Truck After Dark watch party uh, events. <laughs> yes. Uh, really, really fun time. Hopefully, we'll be doing it soon. Yep. Uh, hopefully, we won't be watching Angel One again at the next one. But um, never know. you never know. It could happen. Uh, it's never a bad time to watch Angel One, nope. but uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of diving back into it with a little bit more of a critical eye than I had that night when we were watching it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going along for the ride with um, maybe a synthahol or two in me. Yeah, uh, watching Angel One is probably the right way to go. But uh, look for that hopefully today and maybe one or two more uh, on Twitter. So cool. The NG season one. Yes. Uh, well, that being said, let's jump into the topic. Uh, Bill, since this is your kind of baby, in a nutshell, what are we kind of talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about how Encounter Farpoint and all good things sort of build on each other um, and how TNG, more than the other shows, I think, has that bookending um, quality to the premiere and the finale. Uh, you know, there are certainly elements in really all of the shows, um, with the exception of TOS, yeah. which doesn't really have a proper finale uh, the way that the other shows do. Uh, but they all have six, but yeah. six maybe, yeah, is, is the closest thing they have to a proper finale. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> TNG, more than the other shows, has, you know, a, a story element, a specific thing that that directly ties the premiere to the finale and uh, sort of brackets the series as a whole um, you know, more so than 
hammering home a theme or you know paying off you know a, a, a big overarching plot like Voyager did. Obviously, there's certainly a bookending nature there, uh, but uh, Deep TNG I think has a very specific bookending nature that I'm, I'm interested in talking about. So yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, should be fun. Um, I see. We yeah. just get into it. Um, sure. Yeah, a question right off the bat. Maybe we can kind of, kind of, uh, you kind of hit on just as just then. Um, what makes it different uh, than kind of the other shows? Because we kind of did see in Voyager, um, not a bookend to the to, to like TNG did, but there were definitely some, um, you know bookend type qualities also with uh sure. deep space nine what makes it different mm-hmm. what makes tng different from the other shows and how they use that what, kind of formula i think what makes tng different is that it ties so specifically into uh, the the legitimate you know plot of encounter four point right. uh, the way it ties back to like specific imagery from from that that episode and i think the thing that impresses me the most about it and that always kind of takes me by surprise is that aside from some people in like the art department and and you know people like the composer is connected both those episodes the 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 people who are making the show uh, rick berman is another common element you know but the people who are writing the show on a daily basis the people who are you know shooting it the, the production design people the costume designers the editors they're all completely different by the time all good things gets here than what the people who were producing encounter farpoint right. uh, so it's it's not like ds9 for example where there's a lot of commonality you know iris steven bear for deep space nine is like a consistent presence from day one all the way to the end as the showrunner um so you could you could really see that Sort of making sense. Uh, if if he had done something like Encounter Farpoint, it's all good things. Uh, sort of does, uh, but th- there's so little common DNA from Encounter Farpoint to all good things. I think it's kind of amazing that the choice was made to go back to the first episode in which they the people writing all good things had nothing to do with to sort of tie in um, tie everything up in a bow. So to, to kind of get specific, uh, obviously Encounter Farpoint is kind of a two-pronged episode where they're dealing with this in, this mystery at Farpoint Station, getting the crew together. Uh, it's a aspiring Federation, an aspiring a species aspiring to become a part of the Federation, and yes. there's this mystery <laughs> going on at the station. There's some weird, you know, uh, supernatural kinds of things happening, things appearing out of nowhere, people getting exactly what they want, and nobody understands how that's possible and obviously they unravel that mystery but kind of overarching all of that is they come across q who decides he's going to put humanity on trial and Picard's going to be sort of the, the proxy for humanity uh to, to, to kind of decide if humanity has evolved enough uh from its barbaric you know pre-spacefaring days to be out in space and exploring and 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 you know putting itself in the position to influence other other species and um to, to, to keep pushing forward basically right. uh, and you know Picard has to defend humanity and um, 
Yeah. And, and all good things sort of brings back that trial idea. Yeah. You know, Q reappears uh, again as he has throughout the show. Um, but, you know, he's back, Picard's back in the courtroom. And uh, at one point, Q says, you know, the trial never ends. They're continually on trial. And Picard's continuing to stand in, even though he doesn't really know it. Uh, the, 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 and it, it's sort of implying, in my mind, that all of these adventures that we've seen up to this point without Picard really realizing it, Q has been watching the whole time. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah. it's, it, there's this kind of, uh, um, so what, what makes it different? We'll get more into like the specifics of all that and, right. you know, w- how it maybe impacts the way, you know, I look at TNG now that I've seen it many, many times and I know the book ending nature of it. Uh, but the way that it ties into a specific plot element of the premiere, uh, and not just like the overall premise of the show on a broader level, like Voyager, like Voyager, the, the, the log line of that series is ship gets removed from home, has to make its way back home. And of course the end of the show, they get home, uh, spoiler alert. Um, they, you know, that, that's, that's a clear arc for the show that's established from day one, that this is going to be what the show is, right. uh, where TNG, you know, pulls a specific element from the premiere and that, that hasn't been, sort of unexpectedly for, for my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what makes it different to me. Okay. The, the specificness. The specifics. Of, right. Yeah. And, and that it's, it's exploring something that hasn't been present since the premiere in a, in a, in a obvious way. Right. Um, yeah. So maybe we could take a kind of deep dive into each episode specifically. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Encounter at Farpoint? Uh, Encounter at Farpoint, to me, having just watched it, I, I think it's kind of underrated. It's it's got a it's got a very eighties charm to it. Uh, <laughs> there there are things about it that certainly haven't aged very well, uh, and and it's 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 a bit inconsistent. It's a bit clunky, uh, but I think it's it's uh, I think the story that I'm kind of talking about here is the the, the bracketing element of TNG uh, book ending the show is the, the, the best thing about it. It kind of does uh, set the tone for what Star Trek is and what Star Trek's going to be moving forward. It's, it's, it's about, you know, living this, this better life uh, that, that Picard is sort of selling Q on that he, the humanity's become humanity is not what it once was. And uh, it's growing beyond the, the baser instincts that, you know, were, were problematic hundreds of years ago yeah. uh, that we're kind of dealing with now. Uh, it, I, I like that it confronts that in such a forward way. Uh, it, it, it takes it on head on uh, and kind of lays down the gauntlet for what the next generation is going to be getting at for, mm-hmm. for, for, for the foreseeable future and what Star Trek at its core is. Um, and I think like Gene Roddenberry had become from my perspective, at least in reading about him and you know, watching people who knew him talk about him and, and, and just having some idea of the history of Star Trek. By this point, you know, Roddenberry maybe kind of bought into the, the, the big picture of Star Trek and what it means and what it's trying to say. Um, maybe more so than he was, than he, he than he had in mind when they were making the original series. I think the the aura and the mystique of Star Trek had built 
itself up to a point where it was kind of unavoidable and Rod and Mary decided to, you know, make it a part of the show in a more, you know, obvious way uh, in, in the next generation. And you see that in the pilot. Um, in, in TOS, it's sort of more subtle. It's kind of not something that they week in, week out, make a big... Um, they're not beating you over the head, I don't think, with this idea of humanity has gotten better. Humanity's, you know, moved beyond those things. That there's this big level of progress. It's it's certainly in the DNA of the show, but yeah. it's not something it's telling you. They're just showing it to you. Yeah. Uh, where TNG, I think, Encounter Far Point uh, makes a point to tell you that that humanity has done these things, uh, and and I think that's a interesting way to start the show. I, I mm-hmm. think it's kind of bold and. Uh, an interesting way to, to like bring Trek back in, in its new form. So I love the Q Picard dynamic, the trial, the, 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 the defending humanity. Um, uh, I think John Delancey and Patrick Stewart have chemistry right away. And I think that's what leads to this book ending nature. I think one of the, one of the best things about TNG uh, is, is that Q Picard dynamic that comes in every so often. I think that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a, that's an easy that's an easy win for the show. They know it's going to be good when they do it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think contributed to the idea of ending the show on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, it's definitely underrated. Um, like you mm-hmm. said, it's definitely is a bold way to start out the show. Um, it's really honest in that, you know, like you said, this is what we're going to be about. Um, and this is what the show is going to be about going forward. Um, I love that they just, you know, just go right out there and say it. Um, I love this this sci-fi concept of this alien, this elevated alien species that's putting us mm-hmm. on trial. I think that it's 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 really big. It feels I feel like you need a kind of a big concept to kind of start out this show. Um, it feels very high stakes. Like it's not. Um, yeah. It's I like that it does feel high stakes, but there's also some like smaller elements uh, that we can kind of relate to with, uh, you know, Farpoint Station and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I just Real quick, I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you go first. No, what I was going to say was I think I think you're dead on. And I think the most fascinating thing about that idea is if, if you read about the making of TNG and the making of the counter Farpoint originally, the episode was supposed to be an hour long. And it was just the Farpoint mystery. And when the network and um, Paramount wanted to make it two hours, the way that Roddenberry kind of stretched the episode was by introducing Q. Like that was sort of the afterthought. That was sort of the thing that he threw in to, to stretch the episode out and give it another element. So the fact that, um, like you said, it's, it's the thing that gives the episode the, the real high stakes. It's the thing that feels big enough to reintroduce the show. And, yeah. And and give give the show some some scope and 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 some gravitas um, in its premiere as like this is Star Trek coming back to the small screen and reintroducing it as its new thing, not Kirk Spock McCoy. Like it's this big enough story that sort of sells that idea was sort of an afterthought uh, and and something that wasn't originally conceived as a part of the introduction to the show. Uh, it's kind of an interesting side note that it was an afterthought and it is the thing that I think is most successful about the episode. Yeah, that's, uh, and it's ultimately the thing that it leads to all the way to the end of the show. Right, exactly. Um, not, not there's not a lot of times where I'm I'm kind of supporting maybe you know show executives, but I think that was the mm-hmm. right call to make, especially oh, yeah. um, when you kind of look at uh, you know maybe modern um, Trek now and how do they open uh, Discovery with this big. Mm-hmm 
high stakes battle between you know federation and the klingons so i think um it's just Mm -hmm. cool to see that uh in this episode and that's one of the things that's probably the the thing i love most about encounter encounter at farpoint um is this big stakes feeling uh so yeah yeah um now we kind of fast forward seven years all good things Mm -hmm. um thoughts i mean i've always kind of said i think it's one of the better it's certainly the best star trek series finale we have a whole episode on series finales yeah i think we make that stake we make that case that all good things is the best of the finales uh but you know, I think the best thing about it is, it, and I've, I've talked about this before too, but uh, the the way that it achieves wrapping the show up, giving it some finality while not really giving it finality because they're going on to make movies and generations is just right. a few months away, so they can't really do anything too final. They have to they have to have the episode end in in a sort of similar place that all of the episodes have ended. You know, continuing to fly off on the ship and they're going to go off to another adventure. Uh, so that's that's sort of a challenge that a lot of the other shows didn't have to. Didn't, didn't have to contend with. You know, TOS is obviously its own thing, and Star Trek VI is its real finale, but DS9, Voyager, Enterprise even, you know, had the opportunity to sort of be a final ending. And to mixed results, obviously, some of those finales are better than others, but uh, they all had the benefit of being able to do things that were final, and that kind of gives, you know, whether you're successful or not, at least it gives the finale a final element. It gives it a, a, a wrap-up, and it, it, that's what kind of differentiates it from other episodes, where TNG had to contend with wrapping it up in a satisfying way without really wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. And it, I think the way that they introduce so much scale into it with the time jumps and going back to Encounter Farpoint and pre-Encounter Farpoint, they're doing prequel stuff in addition to <laughs> way out into the future stuff that may factor into this new show that's coming, you know, where we're going to see Picard 25 years later or whatever. And, 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 you know, we got little glimpses of what an alternate future might look like or a possible future might look like with the characters. And we're still in the present as well. And we're, we're getting a, a new adventure and the crew's got to solve a problem in a, in a more traditional sense too. Like all three of these things are happening at once. And that kind of gives the episode the, this, this big sense of scale and excitement and, you know, different stuff that, is kind of substituting for we're ending it. You know, we're giving characters endings. We're sending people off to do different things and ending people's arcs. Uh, so I, I think that's that's an amazing thing that the show sort of accomplished with its with its finale and what we're going to talk about more specifically with the way it ties into Encounter Point, specifically with the Q narrative and the, the trial and um, what it's all kind of meant all along is a big success i think yeah uh before what we do you get, think having just watched all good things yeah before we get into that <clears throat> the context and how it kind of sure uh relates to the kind of rest of the show um i loved uh uh all good things again really big stakes like you said uh with the grand scale and i like that we don't really initially know that it's q for a little bit he we, we see him you know mm-hmm. jumping from different times and having to kind of explore that um, again, it's such a bold move to go back to the Q well when we have before in the series to go back to the to the kind of time concept of they which they've done before. Um, but I think they did it so perfectly that it doesn't seem you know too much or over the top or anything like that. I think it's perfectly balanced between this this fun sci-fi concept but also relating back to the past seven years so mm-hmm. it's perfect yeah yeah 
I couldn't agree more. I think it's perfect too. Um, does having this bookend uh, in all good things add context to not just the rest of uh, the kind of cute episodes that we've seen, but the whole show it's in itself? I think it does because you know it, it's it sort of works on two different levels. I, I think yeah, while I don't think Q is really interested in like the crew doing the right thing, making the right moral choices, fighting for the right things, making the right choices. I think he's interested in more big picture, like Picard being able to think outside. He's the way he kind of frames it at the end of the episode is Picard solving this mystery by being able to, you know, figure out that time is sort of a fluid thing and that it, uh, that, that, that the anomaly is kind of coming from the future and working its way back. Like the, Picard's ability to so, sort of solve this cosmic problem is what kind of ends the trials the, the way that, you says it at least um picard's ability and humanity's ability to kind of operate on that level is what q is interested in but what picard's really defending humanity for in an encounter at far point is is the the morality the that we're going to do the right thing we're, we're we're out here for good we're not the way we were before um that's that's to me like as somebody in the audience watching the show that's what i'm looking for uh in in what picard's talking about in encounter for a point and if you i guess what i'm trying to say is the the most impressive thing about it is it it, it sort of conveys this message of what's really important is because in encounter for a point picard knows he's being watched he he knows that he's being judged accused you know invisibly not always present but is undoubtedly watching every move they make every decision under the that they make uh, they're under the microscope the entire yeah. time uh what's really important and what really says that you've moved on and that you're better is what you know how you how do you how you behave how you make decisions how you do things when you when you're not under the microscope yes. when you're not being watched for every you know uh move that you make and and by bringing back this trial element that Q's been watching the whole time the, the, the trial never ends they're continually being watched and continually sort of defending themselves if not formally and in a courtroom setting but by their actions defending themselves and defending their they're justifying their ability to do what they want to do by exploring and continuing to push forward and continue to evolve uh, the, the fact that when all these things that Picard and crew have done over the course of the seven years has been justifying every day their continuing evolution and their continuing presence in the in, in the galaxy uh, that to me is a powerful thing uh, that is is kind of inherently baked into the Star Trek premise and certainly the TNG premise of, of you know selling we've gotten better we're moving on and it's not just when we're being watched by Q it's day in and day out when when Picard is defending Data and Lal in the out in the offspring and you know he stands up to the Admiral and says not on my ship you know we're not we're not doing this but when he makes some moral decisions like that he's not he's not being watched and judged for it on, in any kind of in any way he knows of uh, but he, he's still continuing to yeah. do the right thing for the yeah. right reasons and th- that's sort of the, the hallmark of the next generation for me that's what i look for in the next generation it's good people making good decisions for for good reasons and uh the way that 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 trial defending humanity's progress and that they're pointed in the right direction and they have justified their existence and 
in, in this in, in in the galaxy and you know in in having a position of influence going around and you know in, you know in, involving itself in all these people all these species uh, is justified by those actions i, I just i love that mm-hmm. yeah, that it uses that bracketing structure to convey it yeah i think that in counter at farpoint they talk the talk they talk all this big game like you know we're we're you know, we've evolved out of that, uh, you know, primitive thinking and stuff like that. And now they got to walk the rock, walk the walk through all the seven seasons, countless episodes, countless times of being, um, you know, put their like morality to the test and and yeah. and stuff like that. And they they show it in this final episode. Uh, so I think that's awesome uh, that they do that. So. Um, and I think that even looking back at the at the previous show, it previous shows and episodes, it definitely adds context to um, not just the the Q episodes um, for better mm-hmm. or for worse, um, uh, but all the episodes, like you said, and you could pick out X number of, of episodes where you think that you know maybe was Q watching there, you know it's mm-hmm. it's there. They didn't know they were being watched. That the stakes were might not have been as high, but it's they still. Um, you know, made the right decision. So uh, it, it it reminds me that by doing what they did and bringing Q back and basically having him say, "I've been watching the whole time," the trial has never, you know, the trial never ends. It's continuing. It's ongoing. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me that you know, I'm worse as the audience. We're sort of the proxy for Q. We've been watching. Like we're watching them do these things, and yeah. we're making sure that they're sort of making the right decisions and 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 uh, staying on the right track. Uh, so I can imagine Q watching because I know I've been watching, you know, and yeah. that's, I, I just, I like that. I like that. And, and like I said, I think my favorite thing about it is what Q has been popping in and out for these usually fun little asides. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not something that, that has ever been, it's not something he's continually referenced every time he comes back. He's not, he's not telling him you're, you're, you know, I'm coming back because I'm, you're, you're continually on trial. Out. I'm making yeah. sure that you're, you're staying on the right track. And you know, the, the trial really didn't end. Uh, the fact that, that, that that's not something that they hammered home for seven years and every year, you know, uh, back in the courtroom, yeah. having the same old argument over again. I think that the fact that it wasn't that makes it better. Uh, it, uh, that, that gives it its power that it's, it's been, kind of suddenly in the background and it's yeah Yeah. that was the right move to not continually go back to that idea I think of uh, of Drumhead I think that maybe you know maybe maybe, um, you know Q was you know in the audience just watching sure Uh, absolutely especially when I think back to episodes like that I'm thinking like man he's he's watching but they still they still uphold to kind of what they were saying from the very beginning. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's the key. Like, you know, Q, I really don't think Q is interested in, 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 in the face value of like the, the correct in humanity sense, like moral decision. I think the key to it really is that they're doing what they said they were going to do. Like what yeah. Picard was saying in Encounter Department when he's standing in front of Q in the trial, this is what we are. This is what this is how we operate. This is this is who this is who we are, and this is who we're going to continue to be. We've evolved into this. We're going to keep moving forward. You know, it, it, he's the episodes like the Drumhead and the Offspring, and you know, 
pick your poison yeah, exactly. along the way. <laughs> um, the wounded, you know, all these things that, that pop up, Picard and crew, but specifically Picard, because Picard is the proxy yeah. for, for humanity and encounter Farpoint, is put in these these impossible decisions, in, in these impossible positions of, of, you know, having to make the right moral call. Uh it's it's the fact that Picard hasn't gone back on his word, and I think, you know, maybe Picard could become a caricature in some ways as like the <laughs> always pointed in the right direction moral compass. You know, like he's he's you know goody two shoes kind of character who never makes the wrong decision. You know, you, you you could I guess come down on that side if you wanted to, uh, but this framing device I think gives that idea power that Picard doesn't waver. He's he he stays pointed in the right direction, and that's what gives it gives the show its power because he, he is doing what he said he was going to do. He's delivering on his promise mm-hmm. uh, in Encounter in Farpoint the whole seven years. And at the end of All Good Things, he's kind of maybe a little bit rewarded for it. I don't know that, like, the Q kind of, my, my memory of Encounter of, of All Good Things, you know, Q doesn't necessarily, Q, Q helps Picard kind of a little bit to, he gives to, him to a get, nudge to get yeah. there. He gives him a little nudge. Yeah. Gives him a little, kind of keeps him pointing in the right direction. If Picard doesn't stay true for the seven years and he hasn't earned Q's respect for doing that, for staying Q on task, maybe give, he doesn't do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah, and I, that's these are all these little headcanon things in my head that aren't like on screen in any kind of explicit way. Uh, they're not. They're not telling us these things. But you know, having watched the Next Generation over and over again and spent a lot of time thinking about it and thinking about how the, the, these bookend, you know, episodes build on each other. Th- these are the kinds of things that it gives me to think about, uh, which I love. And, and it, I think it's different and unique to TNG uh, because of how specific it is. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of people would say, a lot of people would say that, like, 9 and Voyager especially, maybe have more refined, specific premises than the next generation does because deep space nine is stuck in one place. They're continuing to kind of fight the same battles with the Cardassians and the Bajorans. And there's these common elements that are constantly there. Voyager's an obvious one with getting home. There are shows that have fairly easy log lines to say, this is what the show is about. TNG is a little harder to define. It's, it's, it's more, it's more sprawling. It's bouncing around from episode to episode. It does all these different things. Um, But if, if, if you look for it and then you, you take the book ending, thing into account and you kind of buy into what I'm saying that's what TNG is about it's about doing the right thing when you're not being watched watched Watched. right exactly yeah um will we see will uh Picard take the stand uh in his new show do you think I don't know I I wouldn't be opposed (laughs) by by any means I think it would I think it would be kind of cool to see Q again and Uh, to, to, to drive this home even further somehow mm-hmm. um, because I think it's not only it's it's not just the defining trait for the next generation as a show I think it's one of the defining traits for for Picard, Picard. It's you know, he, he is humanity's proxy he is yeah. he, like I've always said he's my favorite character in fiction because he in my mind is like the perfect human he, he does the right things for the right reasons and is is, is the person I want to be uh, that's that's who that's 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 in the DNA of the character because of being the proxy for humanity. He's chosen as the, the you're you're going to stand in and defend you know what humanity should be. Um, 
So I'd love to see it bring them bring that back. I I, I don't know. Do you want to see it? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I would love to see it. Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I I would not be opposed. I think that again, mm-hmm. like you said, it it is part of the character. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to maybe see how it's changed as. Mm-hmm. How that relationships may be changed, uh, or what's changed with Picard. Um, so yeah, I think if we don't see it, there might be a mention of it, um, possibly. Uh, I think at least that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested. I, I I could see it going either way. I could see it being an easy thing to back uh, because it is such a defining trait of of the Picard character, the relationship with Q. It is such a defining trade of the next generation because of that book ending it's in the beginning it's in the end and it's all the way through the middle here and there accuse a accuse a staple of that show uh but i also i so i could see them wanting to bring it back for those reasons because it's it's an easy thing to draw on and it's something everybody kind of knows even if you're passively aware of the next generation you probably know who q is yeah uh but i also i could see them making the decision that that that's tng's arc like that's what makes tng unique and that's their that's their story right leaving it behind might make some sense in their minds too. But uh, I guess it all depends on the kind of story they're telling and if there's room mm-hmm. for something like that to breathe. Uh, but like you said, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be surprised to hear, you know, some sort of throwaway dialogue mention of, of Q. You know, I'm certainly interested to know if, because we don't really, we only see Picard in little spur in the movies, basically little, little episodes, you know, over the course of years after all good things, you know, was, was all good things the last time Q ever popped in on Picard? I mean, like to think not that there are other, you know, encounters that have happened in the 20 years since all good things. Uh, I don't know. Beautiful thing about this show is that everything's kind of on the table. They can do whatever they want because yep. it's not a prequel. You know, they, they, they have a blank whiteboard that could do sort of has no limitations. Direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you recommend this kind of bookend strategy uh, for any of the future shows or do you think that um, kind of how TNG and you know the whole show is kind of set up and kind of played out um, do you think that's where this uh, kind of tool storytelling tool that they used can be successful like maybe um you know maybe in a future show or maybe to end discovery are they gonna bring back i don't know red angel Mm -hmm. or do you think this could be successful in other shows not just tng i think it can be but i think you have to i think you have to do it with as much tact as tng did for it to be as satisfying as tng was with right uh, you know, it's the key is to not be clumsy about it. I think, like I said, I don't think the book ending thing would have worked as well if every time we saw Q, it was reminding us, hey, we're on trial still. Right. Uh, like, I don't I don't know that it would have been as satisfying if it wasn't executed the way it was throughout the show. And I think the beauty of it is that it was probably sort of a happy accident. The people who wrote Encounter Farpoint, like I said, weren't weren't there. I don't think the people who were writing these Q episodes in seasons two, three, four, five, six, seven weren't there. Were, 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 were thinking about like, oh, we, we got to remember this trial thing. We're going to bring that back. Yeah. You know, that's something that was done by somebody else a couple of years ago, three, four years ago. 
um, and kind of left it behind. But, right. you know, when they were coming to the end of the show and needed something to do and needed needed, like I said, something that's that's not really final, but sort of puts a puts an explanation point on the show. Mm-hmm. It, it they, I, I, my suspicion is that this sort of backed into it. Like it's something that they that they thought of, but it's not something that was on their plate throughout the show when they were writing it. I, I, I doubt that it was something that was that was heavily planned, which sometimes leads to the most success. So I think the way that it, the, the, the satisfying nature of the way TNG did it um, is kind of unique. But I, I think it's always a good idea to have you know some element of a bookend because what it, it what a bookend really is is it's paying off something that you got at the very beginning. Right. And it's it's telegraphing the uh, or it's putting an explanation point on the arc of the show. Um, so and, and like I said, DS9 and TNG, uh, DS9 and Voyager some degree of that um but i i think they're they're different like you know i said they're more um the book ending nature of those shows are more baked into the premise of the shows that have been kind of on the forefront and obvious all the way through Mm -hmm. you know cisco going to the prophets at the end of what you leave behind and kind of accepting his fate and you know that's been like a long building arc for that character kind of slowly coming to terms with sort of his role in the guy in the, in the universe and uh his his relationship with the wormhole aliens of the prophets however you want to look at it uh that's that's something that's sort of been there the whole time and the paying off of the war and you know the, the different little character beats all through it are very very obvious uh and voyager clearly is a, is an obvious payoff uh, yeah. So it's. I think. I think all the shows have, up to this point, have had some element of it. And I suspect Discovery and Picard and Section Thirty One and everything else we have coming down the pike will have. will have something in them. Uh, it would just be kind of cool if they were as clever and uh, unexpected as the way TNG handled it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Do you have any? kind of final thoughts or anything you want to get across before we move into maybe uh the track lab spotlight for content stuff i would just recommend if, if you're working your way through tng uh, uh, to try something different especially if you watch it over the course of a long period of time you know once you get to all good things pop encounter far point in first watch them back to back yeah. and like have that trial element like in your face because you just watched encounter far point uh i know i've certainly done that from time to time and um, I think it. I think it kind of helps mm-hmm. to maybe drive it home a little bit and give, maybe gives it a little bit of a different flavor if you've done it a couple times before and uh, you want to you want to try something different. I think that's a cool way to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I just like I said, I hope I hope some of these new shows come up with a clever way to do it, like TNG did. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool, and I think it sets TNG apart a little bit. And I think it's a big part of why their finale is so perfect. Yeah. And maybe if you're doing the rewatch like Bill is, um, first of all, you should be following Bill because he has, you know, some great rankings and some great fun questions and and stuff. But second of all, look at it as if you were Q looking at the crew and at at Picard. I think it would be kind Mm -hmm. of a fun and maybe a different way to kind of look at um, TNG to maybe freshen it up a little bit if this is maybe your 18th time. Bill. Yeah. Yeah, have the trial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Eighteen might be shorting it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in my life, but uh, 
Yeah, like have the trial in the back of your mind when you're watching it. Yeah. Put yourself in key shoes. Absolutely. Like Dan said, I think that gives it a different gives it a different flavor. Um gives it a new, a new wrinkle if you, if it is your upteenth time watching the yeah. show. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun way to keep that bookending thing alive as you're going through it. And, um, yeah, don't let it just be a what the show is at face value. Like it, it, everybody knows that Star Trek's about these kinds of ideas. That that's the premise of the show, and that's what makes Star Trek Star Trek and different from from other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but embrace it as a part of the plot and, and a part of the part of the day to day grind of the show is that it's it's selling this idea that you got to live it. You can't just preach it. You got to you know put it into practice. Yep. Make it a part of who you are. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, do you have any Star Trek content that you want to kind of highlight? Or um, I know this was kind of a big week for um, Star Trek podcasts uh, and then non-Star uh, Trek podcasts. If you want to talk about it, go off script. If uh, you catch my drift, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, you go first. What's the big one that you want to talk about? I'm assuming you've listened. To- uh, the, there's two kind of big ones. Uh, the Ready Room, obviously. We don't get that as often uh, as kind of Trek FM's other shows. Um, but when but when um, mm-hmm. you do, it, it kind of just makes up for it. And it brings you right back to um, some of the great episodes that have been on that show. Um, and it reminds you how great it was and how great Trek FM is. And... Uh, yeah, and then also Trek ranks and um, uh, Bill's kind of trying to get me onto these um, script writing uh, kind of mm. uh, podcast that he's been kind of. It's a non-Trek uh, kind of podcast, yeah, but yeah. I think it's okay to kind of um, maybe go to the film side of things because we have because we have um, film lovers uh, that follow the the podcast as well um and it's something bill and i are both passionate about so i'll give him the floor to kind of fill that in yeah it's kind of it's been around for a long time it's kind of a discovery script notes uh it's john august who uh has been around a long time as one of the hosts he's written a lot of tim burton stuff yeah uh, but he's a, he's a workman like uh you know screenwriter who's been in the industry for a long time and craig mazin who is kind of similar uh you know long time uh, he's done a lot of kind of schlocky horror kind of stuff. He, he did like polish work on a, a lot of the, the scary movie sequels and things like that. Uh, but he, he just wrote Chernobyl, which is like highly successful on HBO. And uh, people are talking about it being like some of the best TV of all time. That's sort of like his, his big uh, success. Um, critically at least um but it's these two screenwriters talking about you know their life in the industry and their kind of daily grind and uh, the things they've learned and things are trying to it's the, the podcast is really geared toward people who want to be screenwriters it's it's sort of a it's sort of a college course in 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 screenwriting uh but uh even if you're not an aspiring screenwriter like like i'm kind of not it's not something that's on my plate uh it's it's a really interesting look at the industry from a more uh day in the life practical um sort of angle it's not it's it's not a you know uh bird's eye view of it from somebody who's not really living it it's people that are in it doing it every day and trying to trying to make a living uh, talking about their adventures kind of and things they've learned and things they want to impart 
mistakes, covering mistakes they made, and they, they have a lot of guests talking about this and that. And I would just encourage everybody to check it out. It's called Script Notes, uh, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. But yeah, the the, the Ray Room episode as well. Go back to track. Uh, it was really cool. Another Star Trek podcast I would um, as a as a interesting aside that I don't hear a lot of talk of um, is called. Uh, making it so uh, the, the, the hosts are Mike Mann who is not related to me uh, but uh, one in or two and, uh, two hints uh, and Josh Bald and okay. it's, a, um, it's an interview show an interview show people who um, worked behind the scenes on Star Trek over the years uh, it's, they've had writers, they've had stunt people, they've had prop masters, they've had uh, you know, directors, uh, all kinds of interesting production side of the the, the spectrum. Uh, people um, on for like hour long interviews, and they, they they their careers and their their perspective on working on Star Trek, and it's a it's a different kind of different kind of show that I would encourage everybody to check out. It's very frank, it's very honest, and uh, you'll learn a lot if you're interested in like the day to day production of Star Trek. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's been shown 92. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, talk about more Trek. I'm excited. Um, you guys know the drill. The discussion doesn't have to stop here. Hop on over to Twitter. Follow Bill's, Bill and I's rewatch. Um, not just rewatch stuff, but anything you want to talk about. Definitely don't hesitate uh, to kind of start the conversation. Um, Facebook, you guys know the drill. Facebook, Discord, uh, Twitter, the big three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You can find us uh, on YouTube, obviously, and also in the podcast feed. We're going to start posting on that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Appreciate yeah. everybody who's taking a minute to watch us or listen to us on the podcast. Yep. And uh, we'd love to hear from you Yep. about this or any other topic we've covered over the last few years. Yep. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.